You're listening to the teaching ministry of Anchor Church. We exist to connect each person to Jesus, His Word, and His mission. We hope this message encourages you in your faith and guides you closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at anchorchurchcsra.com. Thank you for joining us today. May this message draw you closer to God. Let's give it up one more time for the Lord. Come on. He's changing lives. He's always at work. Always at work. And I love baptism days. I just, man, we love filling up this, uh, this tractor supply tub every time, man, just filling it up and getting it as warm as possible. All right. It was told to me earlier that the Jordan River averages 70 degrees uh, year round. And so uh, we did make sure it was warmer than 70. Uh, so, uh, you know, 70 degrees. So just, so just remember that. 70 degrees was good enough for the Lord. Amen. All right. So there you go. Hey, ironically enough, I, I preached on the very same thing I'm preaching on tonight six years ago. And that's not because I recycle my messages or anything like that. I was asked to preach at one of my friend's church plants in Greenwood, South Carolina, six years ago. They were in a similar series, different, different title, but really the same message that came up on my memories today. And I thought it was so cool. I'm like, man, I'm literally preaching uh, different passages, but the same heart. And I share that because this has really been something that has changed my life over the past seven years, this subject of the simplest way to change the world. And the simplest way to change the world, in case you weren't here last week and you couldn't make it, hey, I'm going to give you a little recap, all right? A last time at Anchor Church recap before we get started. Last week, we talked about how hospitality, as outlined in the Bible, is the simplest way for us to change the world. And that hospitality doesn't really start with us. We think so sometimes. We think, okay, it's something about me. No, it's really about God. It comes down to who he is. And then we are imitators of God, courtesy of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God. And so as we imitate our Lord, made in his image, we live out hospitality in this world. We talked about last week how hospitality literally means, in the original language, to welcome the stranger. So we're talking about being welcoming, and not just in our home, but with our lives. And I I can't help but think of some neighbors that I had. Uh, We moved back to Greenwood, South Carolina after serving for a couple years as church planning missionaries in the big city of Atlanta, Georgia. We came back to Greenwood for another short season, but we bought our house and moved in. And we didn't live in in like a subdivision with a sign or anything like that. We lived on the edge of Lander University's campus there in Greenwood, right on the corner of a prominent street in Greenwood called Gray Street. And right across from us on this little back street, so our cross the street neighbors or our to the side neighbors, but they're practically across the street, was a dad named Paul and his two sons, Alex and Jacob. And what God would do with our relationship with Paul and Alex and Jacob uh, was just absolutely incredible. I could spend the whole time just telling stories about our interactions, but I will tell you this, um, God gave me a special connection with one of Paul's sons, his name was Alex. And Alex, um, I mean, just, we, we connected so well together. Um, and you know what? I got so excited about that story. I'm supposed to tell you about another story right now. I'm looking down at my notes. I'm just gonna level with you guys. And I'm supposed to tell you about other neighbors that we had. So what I just did, I'm gonna like put a teaser in there, okay? <laughs> Stay tuned to the rest of my sermon for more about Alex. Let me tell you about these other neighbors that we've had. More, more recently, 
we got to know some of our other neighbors. And they're the Johnsons. They're right around the corner from us. They live up on the cul-de-sac around the way. And, you know, one decision, lean into this, one, one decision to take one footstep away from our home towards their home uh, would change uh, two specific people's eternities forever. So my family decided to go on a prayer walk. We decided, hey, we're going to walk our neighborhood. It's not, not very big. We live just down the road near Westmont Elementary. And we were going to go on a little prayer walk, just praying for our neighbors. We were, we were just going to stay. We weren't knocking on every door or anything like that. We, we do that sometimes and deliver food. But, we'll, um, but we, were, we were just walking around and just, you know, we were throwing the football together, me and, me and my three boys. And so all five of us were walking, and all of a sudden we see some new neighbors moving in. And at the edge of the driveway, we have one of those, I call them driveway conversations, because usually you're, you know, someone's out in the yard and you're walking by and you end up just kind of congregating at the edge of the driveway. And never underestimate the power of a driveway conversation. I've had so many uh, driveway conversations that just, that God moved mountains. And so this one in particular, we met our new neighbors, husband and wife and their three boys, just like us. So another family of five with three boys right around our children's age. And so we decided to get together for dinner, had them over for dinner. And then guess what? They decided to have us over for dinner, which was pretty cool because we found out later on that they don't really cook a whole lot of meals, that, that they eat out a lot and they haven't cooked a meal as a family in a long time, but they invited us over for tacos. And so I was very curious about what these tacos were gonna be like because we haven't had a lot of taco reps. I was like, what kind of, so what kind of meat were we eating? You know, what, what kind of tacos were we talking about? Uh, it was just regular old El Paso, old El Paso ground beef tacos. And so we had some of those and it was that night that uh, I received an opportunity standing there in the kitchen to share the gospel with the father of the family uh, who had not been to church in a long, long time. And through that dinner and through other opportunities, uh, man, there were many more stories I could tell you, but uh, two, two of our neighbors, both, both children have come to Christ. Uh, we've been able to pray with them to receive Christ in our home. I was sitting at my kitchen table this morning looking over my notes for tonight and just remembering I was sitting in the seat when I led one of those boys to the Lord right there. And it all started, this is, where I'm, this is where I'm really sinking into, okay? It all started with just walking around our neighborhood, being available with what God would have for us. So if you're gonna write anything down, if you're a note taker tonight, I want you to write, um, but, but, don't, but don't write it if you don't mean it, okay? But just let's, let's just commit together. I will be available. I'm gonna make an effort to be more available to my neighbors, all right? So that's where we're starting tonight. And I said last week, we talked about our hospitable God, but we, we also said that our home's not intended to be a fortress. Remember, we said our home's not intended to be our own private fortress. We build a moat around and we got the drawbridges up and you, know, you gotta kinda knock at the castle door. And, but instead, seeing our home as an oasis in the middle of the wilderness of this world where, where people are welcome in no matter how different they are from you, whether they look like you or not, whether they act like you or not, whether you're on the same page politically or not. And I'm telling you, as we've committed to this hospitable life, not, not that we do it perfectly, but as we have signed on for it, we've seen God move in huge ways. But tonight, I, I wanna put this up, because these are a couple of just guiding thoughts as we get started. Our lives are not intended to be self-centered. Jesus makes it clear in his word Remember, even Jesus himself, he said, I mean, if, I mean, he's king of the universe, right? He's Lord of all. And he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus said that. 
And if we're imitators of Christ, we are here to serve. We are not here for a self-centered life, but our lives, here it is, ought to be a, what's that word? Shelter for who? Others. So write that down tonight. Our lives ought to be a shelter for others. I didn't just pull that out of thin air. I promised I got it from the word of God. Let's check out Psalm 61, two through four. I call to you, the psalmist writes, from the ends of the earth, when my heart is without strength. Friends, there's no better time to pray than when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to do, when you're depressed, when you're anxious, when you're struggling. And I don't always feel like praying in those moments either. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I'm angry, the last thing I feel like doing is praying, but it's the very thing I need. Lead me to a rock that is high above me, for you have been a refuge for me, a strong tower in the face of the enemy. Now lean into verse four, ready? Here we go. I will dwell in your tent forever and take refuge under the shelter, there's that word shelter, of your wings. So what is verse four telling us? Well, whose tent is it, friends? I will dwell in your tent. Whose who's tent? God's tent. Now, you, you may be thinking of a camping tent. This is, this is his sanctuary. This is a place of worship. And so what we see in the Psalms here, don't miss it, is that God welcomes us into his tent. And I wanna make it clear, Anchor Church is not, it's not my church or your church. Yes, there's a sense in, what's in, in which we own, you know, we have ownership together as a church family, but really it's Jesus' church. And he welcomes us here tonight into his tent, into his sanctuary, to experience his presence. But this is the place where we discover that our homes and lives are a place where people can encounter Jesus himself. And just like God has invited us into his tent, we invite people into our homes and lives. And so I wanna say a quick prayer and then we'll dive back in. Lord, open our hearts tonight to every piece of truth that you want us to embrace. Father, I pray that if there's anything you'd like to convict us on, Lord, we just pray the prayer of Psalm 139. Search our hearts, Lord. See if there be any grievous way within us. Lead us in the way everlasting, Lord. And may your word just shine within us. Shine light upon the lies, Lord. Help us sort out fact from fiction, truth from error. And God, I just pray that you'd make it clear what our best next step is in our spiritual journey as it relates to you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said... Amen. All right. So y'all been wondering about Alex this whole time. All right. So I'll continue my story that I was supposed to start now. Um, so Alex became a really good friend. Um, he, was, he was in eighth grade, but, you know, he, he became more like a son to me in a really cool way. Um, Alex, one night in particular, like I said, I, I have so, so many stories, it was hard to pick one, but this one stands out. It was raining one night, and uh, you know, it was cold, kind of, kind of like the weather is today, but just picture it's pouring rain, it's dark, and we're getting dinner ready. And all of a sudden, Alex shows up at our door. He's soaking wet. I mean, he's soaking wet. And, and we're like, come on in, man, come on in. And we get him in there, you know, he's dripping wet, and we, you know, we get him, uh, you know, take his jacket off, and we say, you know, hey, man, well, you can throw your jacket in the dryer, and come on, come on in. And we were about to have dinner. We weren't planning on having any guests. Um, he came in and he said, hey, do you, do you know where my dad is? And we're like, no, we have no clue where, where your dad is. And he said, well, he left and he didn't, he didn't tell me anything. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know where he is. And so we, we're trying to help him figure out where dad is, but 
he's locked out of the house. Dad's nowhere to be found, and it's dinner time. So uh, Alex sits down with us for dinner. You know, we ended up having a dinner guest that night, and he sits down. And I'll just never forget, I'll just fast forward to when he said this one specific thing. And this has been after other hangouts and after other times at our house that he's been over, but he said, man, and I'll never forget the way he said it. He just smiled. He said, man, I've, I really feel like I'm family. And I can just still hear him saying that. Man, I really feel like family. And he smiled and he was just so, he was, he was so at peace and so at home. And a uh, little, little bit after that, I have a memory of coming home from work one day and uh, Alex is standing in my uh, driveway spot. We had a main driveway and then we had this other driveway around the corner where I would park. And he would wait there in the driveway for me every day. Just, just like one of my kids. And I would get home and he'd come right up to my door and I'd get out and he'd tell me all about his day and everything and my kids would run up and we'd, you know, he's just, he, re- he really was one of the family. Now, why do I share all that with you? Because a hospitable God will always raise up hospitable people who are willing to be a shelter for others to represent him in every age. And so tonight, we're gonna unpack the hospitable church. Last week was the hospitable God. This week is the hospitable church because one of our goals is to be the most welcoming place on the block, not in a competitive way, but just in a God-honoring way. We want you to feel, I mean, I hope that you felt welcome this evening, especially those of you who are new. Man, we're so glad that you're here. And if there's any, anything we can do to make you feel even more welcome, man, we will do it because that's our heart is to reflect God's welcoming heart. So let's talk, friends. Let's, let's get down to business. What is so hard about hospitality? We tabled that for this week, so write that down tonight if you're taking notes. What's so hard about hospitality? Is it hard? Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's simple, but it's hard, right? Jesus made things very simple for us, but he never promised it'd be easy. But he did say it would always be worth it. So let's look, at very, let's look at four specific barriers super quick. We're just gonna fly through these. The first one is culture. Everybody say culture. Culture. And here's what's happened in our culture, ready? Many moons ago, some of you will remember the world this way, prob- probably when you were young, the world was more of what we call a front porch community. People hung out, they sat on their front porch. You would walk down the street and people would be in the front you could walk down the road and see tons of people just sitting, sitting on their porches, chatting. You could go up to someone else's porch and visit with them. It, w- it was a front porch community. Now, our culture has shifted to a backyard community. The, the, the privacy fence made its uh, entryway into neighborhoods, and everybody's grills moved out back, and you put the trampolines out back for the kids, and everything was about, nope, put this privacy fence up, I want a space between me and my neighbors, and uh, this, this is going to be kind of like a fortress wall. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a privacy fence. We, we have a privacy fence too, okay? So if you have a privacy fence, we're not here to beat you up about that. Um, but this is just the way that culture has shifted away from the front to the back. But here's the deal. Jesus has called us to be counter-cultural. There are many things about our culture that have changed over the years that make barriers between us and living biblical hospitality faithfully. And so what we do with these cultural barriers, we push against them. We say, and so one, one way that that looked like for us is I could grill things in my backyard. But what I started doing, I figured out that my next door neighbor, Sam, 
he's out and he likes to grill a good bit out front of his driveway. And that's more of his family's culture, like, like to grill kind of out front. Well, I decided to move mine around and grill. So, what, so when I'm standing there grilling, Sam's over there grilling and I could talk to him, you know, and we're both doing our thing. And guess what we do? We swap goodies. I'll grill something. I, I had some extra steaks a few months ago and I, I was grilling some ribeyes, all right? And we, ha- we had a few extras and I was grilling them in the pouring rain. Anybody ever grill in the pouring rain? It's not, it's not very fun. Yeah, but you know, food's getting soaking wet and all that. So, but I ran some ribeyes over to him and then he's run some chicken over my way before. And so it's been, it's been this really amazing thing and come, come to find out uh, later on uh, that recently uh, their families experienced some changes um, and, and Sam's alone a lot now. Um, and so the Lord's provided me some opportunities to be able to uh, encourage him and just let him know that he's not forgotten that we're there uh, for him. All right, so what's, what, are, what are the other barriers? Well, this one's really big, and you may resonate with this one tonight. Maybe fear is the biggest barrier keeping you from walking across the street, knocking on your neighbor's door. It just feels weird, right? Sometimes we're afraid of being labeled as a weirdo. Um, you know, I think, I, I think sometimes if there's a greatest fear that we face, it, it is the fear of man. It is very central to us, to all of us as sinners. We care what people think about us. I'm speaking from experience. I, I care deeply what people think about me. I'm an extrovert. I like people. I like to be liked. And so, yeah, I can, I can totally be there in the same exact way. But I just want to remind us tonight that, you know, the enemy tries to, see, this is, this is what he does. He takes his, his magnifying glass of darkness, and this is what fear does. It makes these barriers and these hard things seem so much bigger than they are. That's what fear does. It makes things seem this, like this big, huge monster that we have to defeat, and it's actually this little, tiny rat that we can easily just step over and move on in obedience to the Lord. What else besides fear? Well, this one gets us really bad. It's hurry. Everybody say hurry. All right, that's what you're saying right now. You're like, man, hurry, hurry up and finish. You know, you got... Yeah, I, I, still got, I still got 12 minutes, right? So we're, we're, we're good. But um, so hurry. Yeah, hurry is a big one. If there's one thing I've tried to eliminate from my life, it's hurry. And if there's one thing that takes time, it is hospitality. And time is the one thing that hurried people cannot give. And in fact, to love someone authentically, the way that Jesus designed us to, it takes time. And so we have to slow down. We have to slow down and remember that there is never a convenient time. I find the times when the Lord is pressing on me to do something uh, neighborly, hospitable, it is always at the worst time. It is like I'm on the way out the door and something happens, or I'm coming in with a handful of groceries and, and I see something, I'm like, oh no, I've got too much to do. I mean, I just, I, I hear the narrative in my head and I just tell myself sometimes just to shut up. I'm just like, man, be quiet. It's never a convenient time, like do it anyway. And so it's always been worth it every single time. I'm not gonna tell you I've, I've listened to uh, the Lord every time. Some, sometimes I have just said I'm too busy and, I, and I've had to repent of that many, many times. But I wanna encourage you to watch that hurry and to try to eliminate that from your life as much as possible. Don't be too hurried to love people well. Then the last part, the last one is kind of a big bucket and we'll just call it excuses. Because I'm, I'm sure that all of us, maybe, maybe you don't want to call it an excuse, maybe you want to call it an explanation. I get it. But excuses. I'm not a good cook. 
my house is too small. I don't have time. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what yours is tonight, but my challenge to you is to ask yourself, is that really a reason why we cannot live for Jesus in this way? Whatever that is keeping you from taking this next step, we're not here to beat you up about it, but we do want you to examine it and really say, man, is this just an excuse that I'm making? Is this really true? And just really think about that. Because people all the time, I mean, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, this expert of the law, let's, let's, let's read this together. An expert of the law stood up to test Jesus and he said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty important question, right? All right, what is written in the law? Jesus asked him, how do you read it? And here's what he answered. He gave, he, he gave the Sunday school answer, guys. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Did he get the answer right? That's what Jesus said. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But here it comes. Wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And we've had this question before, haven't we? How wide does that go? And here's what I want to uh, say quickly before we finish reading this passage. If your neighbor is always everyone, like we know that, that you know, no one's excluded from, from this list and love your neighbor than yourself, it's love God, love others. But sometimes if your neighbor is everyone, your neighbor is no one. You have to actually focus in and go, okay, Jesus at least meant the people I live next to. <laughs> it definitely includes things. Sometimes the scope is so wide, we forget about the people who are right across the street. We forget about the people who are right there. We forget about the same cashier that you have at Walmart every single time or the person that always brings out your pickup order when you go to Kroger to pick it up. It's just the same person that brings out your groceries. And, and so uh, Jesus took up the question and he says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem. You remember the story? In Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, fled, leaving him half dead. Now a priest happened to be going down the road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a who? A Samaritan. On his journey came up to him. When he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him. He bandaged, he bandaged up his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, lean into this, put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? the one who showed mercy to him, he said. And then Jesus said, go and do the same. Here's what this passage teaches us, ready? There are hurting people all around us who are waiting for a shelter. And there's no other answer outside of gospel community. What do we mean by gospel community? It means relationships that, that show people who God is, what he's like, and what he's done. And so you can reflect the gospel. Yes, we can share the gospel verbally with someone. We should do that. But we can also live the gospel out through hospitality. It's one of, it's one of, the, it's one of the quickest ways. If you've never shared the gospel with anyone before, like verbally, one of the easiest ways to get started is just to show hospitality. Be kind, 
be merciful to people, especially people that are hurting and maybe someone that you don't know quite as well. But there's other passages like Matthew 25. We don't have time to read it tonight, but Jesus is like, man, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And what Jesus is talking about in that particular passage, he, he's talking about caring for the church. And so, he's, and so what I would encourage you to do, if, if you're new to hospitality, this is kind of a new thing, you should start with the people that you do know at church. Just care, care for one another. Just start there. Start small. Maybe, maybe the stranger thing is like really intense right now, and you got to work your way there. That's, that's okay. This is all about, I mean, living for Jesus is all about baby steps. It really is. Like baby is not a bad word, okay? These are just small incremental changes that he tunes in your heart. But um, do you guys know, I mean, like, just think about the word hospital. How many of you guys work at a hospital? Yeah, we got several, right? You work at a hospital, do you know where the word comes from? Hospitality. That's exactly where it comes from. It, that's, that, was, that was the history of the word. They took hospitality and went, huh, well, this, this should reflect hospitality. Where does hospitality come from? What did, what did we say last week? God, it comes from him. He, he is hospitable. And we're supposed to care for and show mercy to those who are in our path. So, so hospitality isn't complicated, but as we see in the passage we just read, it is costly. It is costly. Remember, the Good Samaritan paid for all that stuff himself. I mean, it's costly monetarily. I mean, it costs extra money to have somebody over for dinner, right? It, it costs extra money to, uh, you know, to go and meet a need. It costs time to slow down, to eliminate hurry from your life. So it, it is costly, but Jesus said we ought to count the cost. Now, what's the, second, what's the second encouragement we want to lean into tonight? Well, I want to talk about the table for a moment. So let's ask this question. What's, what's the big deal about the table? And here's what I want to tell you guys tonight. Hospitality, this is going to come up on the screen. Hospitality is the offer to extend the privileges of community to those who do not expect it. You catch that? We're extending the privileges of community to those who do not expect it. And here's what this looks like. I have a family. It's a family of five. And what we do when we show hospitality is we treat others like they are in our family, even though they are not literally in our family. They are family in, in this moment and in this way, okay? And so that is literally what it looks like. Hospitality is an offer to identify with outsiders and to treat them like insiders. And that's not supposed to be a polarizing thing, like, you know, like a clicky kind of outsider-insider thing, but this is what God has done, right? People outside the nation of Israel, guys, the family of God, the, the people who God worked his covenant relationship through, through whom Christ came, this people that God had assembled all the way back to Abraham, all the way to Christ. And there were people outside of Israel and God said from the very beginning when he first told Abraham he said you're going to be a blessing to others and in fact your responsibility he said in Exodus to the Israelites your responsibility is to be a light to them and this is a theme throughout the whole Bible from cover to cover is that God's people are supposed to not, not only reflect God but to invite people in to his family and so hospitality often involves sharing meals that's, that's where the whole table thing comes in let me tell you a couple of things hospitality is not. Ready? Write these down. Hospitality is not entertaining. It's not entertaining. 
I know that's one of the, maybe one of the uh, barriers tonight. You know, I'm, not, I'm not much of an entertainer. Like I don't have, I don't, I'm not really good at hosting and entertaining and things like that. That's, that's not hospitality. That's very different. How is it different? Because when you're entertaining, you have to be on. You know what I mean? Have you guys ever had people over before and you have to be on? You have to like make sure everybody's okay, make sure everybody's having a good time. And like you feel this pressure, like, oh no, they're quiet, so there's something wrong and you're running over here and you're stressed out because like, is the food hot enough and all this? Like, it's not about that. Hospitality is not image management. And that's gonna free some of you tonight. It's not image management. It's not, it's not trying to look good. It's not trying to be the, the, the cover of Southern Living or something like that to make sure that your decor is perfect. Every time, this, this is something the Lord, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, in the beginning, we kind of treated it that way and we got this confused for about a year, but then we really started being extra intentional. Sometimes we would even say, hey, this area of the house, like we have people coming over for dinner, this, this area is kind of, uh, not acceptable. There are some things out. We're going to leave it because this is real. We just want people to walk into our home to know that we were expecting them and that we care and that we're being welcoming, but also that they're not walking into some manicured house that's like, you know, for sale and it's staged and all this kind of stuff. Like we want it to feel real. Like, okay, there's laundry in the corner. It's okay. Everybody's got laundry. Anybody, anybody here have laundry that hadn't been done yet? Any, anybody? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Amen. But what the table does, it facilitates a feast. Write that down if you're taking notes. The table facilitates a feast. We get this from Isaiah 25. Let's, let's read these few verses together. On this mountain, the Lord of armies will prepare for who? All the peoples. All the peoples. A feast of choice meat. A feast with aged wine, with prime cuts of choice meat. That's my favorite part. And fame, uh, fine vintage wine. On this mountain, he will swallow up the burial shroud. This is what he's done in the gospel. Ready? Hospitality is a picture of the gospel. The shroud over all the peoples, the sheet covering all the nations. And when he has swallowed up death once and for all, the Lord God will wipe away all the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth for the Lord has spoken. So all the peoples get a feast. Jesus himself came eating and drinking. Amen. Matthew eleven nineteen, he came eating and drinking. People were not particularly happy about that. But sharing a meal, opening up our table for the whoever, the whenever, gives us an opportunity to display and experience the grace of God with others. In fact, we say that at the beginning of the meal, don't we? We say grace. We're, we're gonna say grace. That's, and we have an opportunity when we do that to draw the attention to God. And what does food do? Food, food is the ultimate icebreaker. I mean, think about inviting somebody over for like just, just to sit at the table and there being no food, there's no coffee, there's no dessert, there's no anything. It's just a table and you're just sitting there at a wood table. Maybe a little awkward, right? Let's, like it's, it's totally okay to say yes. All right, it means you have a pulse and you're awake. All right, yes, <laughs> good. So yeah, that would be a little weird. And so we're gonna make food, but not just for an icebreaker, but just know that that that's one of the practical functions of eating food together. Uh, that's one of the practical functions of sipping warm coffee. It's comforting. It gives, it gives us something to hold on to while, while we connect with one another deeply. And so take that uh, for, for, for what it's worth. The, but theologically, remember, it's constantly God's choice in the Bible. I mean, through 
Every book of the Bible, we, we see a feast happening <laughs> to celebrate God's goodness. I mean, this banquet language in Scripture is just from cover to cover. And I'll fast forward you to Revelation, the book about the end times. And ultimately, at the end of Revelation, we see heaven. We see a new heaven and a new earth. And we see the marriage supper of the Lamb. I mean, we see supper. We see banquet. It's God's heart to celebrate. And you're invited, whoever you are tonight, wherever you are, you're invited. God delights in welcoming the stranger, and that's why he calls us to do it. So this is where we're ending tonight. The table functions, lean into this. It's gonna sound kind of weird at first, but I'm gonna unpack it. All right, and Garrett, Garrett's gonna come back up and lead us in worship for a minute, but, um, but I, wanna, I wanna end on this encouragement. The table functions as an altar. It functions as an altar. Let's just read Ephesians 2, 12 through 13, 17 through 19. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and outsider. Remember from earlier? The foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and the peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Now, that was a lot, but what did, what did Jesus do for us? He brought near by his blood and his blood alone. The table is an altar in this way. The altar actually was a table in the Old Testament, sacrificial system. The priest would offer up sacrifices on this table, lay, lay the offering on the table, the altar, and offer those sacrifices up to the Lord God in worship. And our tables work the same exact way. We don't, we don't uh, put dead animals on our table now, and I would not recommend that as a strategy. Uh, for showing hospitality, but what we do is we cook a meal and we set the table and we invite people into our homes and lives and we offer mercy and grace and compassion and kindness as an offering to God. Romans 12 puts it this way, let your, let, like, like they used to offer dead animals as offerings, but Romans 12, Paul writes, may your life be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So I just wonder if this week, maybe the next step for you and I is to, and look, this happens at our house too, okay? But maybe, maybe it's time to clear that stuff off the dining room table that becomes kind of uh, a place where all our junk just lands, right? The table, just kind of get in, just set it on there. Maybe, maybe it's time to get it off the table and to prepare our table to welcome people into our homes and lives and to gather around our table and show people who Jesus is through kindness, through mercy, and through hospitality. It's really not as complicated as we make it, but it is costly. And we're gonna need the Lord's strength and the Lord's help. And so maybe just a few practical things this week. And here's just a challenge that I have for you, ready? I promise if you come to Anchor, I'm, I'm gonna challenge you, okay? But, it, but it's in love. Walk across the street this week and invite your neighbor over for dinner. Across the street, whoever it is. If there's nobody across the street, them. <laughs> and if they don't exist, 
them. And if they don't exist, the person behind you, whoever's closest to you, if you live in a very rural area, the next person down. Um, It's really scary the first time you do it. But when you see how God works in the midst of where he sovereignly has placed you, do you know that? That, that, that he sovereignly placed you in your neighborhood, in your house, next to the people you're next to for a reason? And if you're a Christian, I mean, he's counting on you to do that. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we're ambassadors for Christ. That, that means we got a job, all right? And there's no pressure on you. The pressure is on the Lord and he can handle it because he's perfect, he's faithful. Even if we're faithless, he's faithful. So he's got it, but... He's counting on us to step up and do it. And when I say he's counting on us, God's gonna do his will with or without us, okay? But it's a joy and privilege to be used by the Lord. Maybe the next time you're at the grocery store, pick up, a, pick up an extra dessert. If you're already getting dessert for yourself, maybe you just pick up an extra one. Maybe you pick up an extra freezer meal just to stick in your freezer so when that time comes and the excuse is, I don't have time to make this, you got that Stouffer's lasagna right there, okay? Everybody's got Stouffer's lasagna in the freezer, right? Yeah. You got the Stouffer's lasagna right there. You got that frozen Edwards pie. You know, it doesn't have to be where you're slaving over the stove for hours and all that. And some of y'all don't cook and I I get that, okay? But there's a way to do this very simply and very practically. And if you, I'm gonna give you next, next, next level challenge, okay? For those of you who've been doing this for a little while, I'm gonna challenge you to organize a little block party for your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be complicated. You get some Costco tables, just throw them out there. You don't need fancy tablecloths or anything like that. Some, some of y'all men in here like to cook barbecue on your smokers. Throw a couple of pork butts on there, get some buns, get some mac and cheese and call it a day. Just start knocking on doors and say, hey, the barbecue's hot and ready, let's go. It didn't even have to be an event. We've, we've done this day of before. We just made a ton of food and just knocked on doors and sometimes it's better that way. If, if it feels less forced, it feels real and people just come to our driveway and eat. And so whatever that looks like for you, all I'm challenging you to do is listen to what God would have you do. And chances are something in this message has resonated with you tonight and you're like, that's it. That's what I need to do. And so I'm just gonna ask that he'd make that clear. Can we, can we pray together? Lord, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for every person in this room. God, their hearts to come and see what you would say to them. Because Lord, we know you're speaking. That's what we believe when we open your word, you speak to us. You're so kind to encourage us and challenge us. And God, I just pray that through these next weeks, Lord, of discovering, maybe for the first time, but maybe again, of just being reminded that the simplest way to change the world is to be your hands and feet. And the best way to do that is through hospitality, to welcome the people that are strangers and the people that we know that we just need to reach out and care for. Lord, thank you for caring for us when we're hurting and broken. Thank you for saving sinners like us, Lord, to place our faith and hope and trust in you. I pray that if anyone here tonight lacks a relationship with you, Lord, that they would give their heart and life to you that they would turn from their sin and trust in you, Lord Jesus. And if they have a question about it, they would not leave here tonight without asking either myself or someone with an anchor lanyard here, or one of our pastors who would love to pray with them. God, we would love to help them on their journey. But Lord, communicate our best next step to reach more and more people 
for your glorious kingdom, God. We know you're drawing so many people to yourself. Lord, just make it clear what our next step is and help us have the power and strength to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more, be sure to click the subscribe button for more upcoming episodes from Anchor Church. Or visit us at www.anchorchurchcsra.com.